This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the quarter pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello guys, it's Ben here. Very quickly, uh, this podcast was recorded before the news this morning um, of Stephen Bradley staying at Shamrock Rovers, so uh, some of the chat in this will potentially be a little bit out of date, but the rest of it uh, will hopefully still be the same old Stacey West podcast, so uh, enjoy. And welcome to episode 170 of the Stacey West podcast. I am Ben and Gaz is with me. We can see each other again because we've got a bit of a bumper episode, I think it's fair to say this week because of everything that's gone on. But uh, how are we doing, mate? Are you well? I found that amusing. Just before I I hit play there on the uh, theme tune, you went, we can stick it in. And I just think it'd be brilliant to start that with you saying you'll stick it in. Uh, and then I realised there's a big gap at the end of the theme tune to when it cuts in, so you're going to have to edit it anyway. So, yeah, yeah. a little bit behind the curtain there. So, yeah, we're recording um, on StreamYard again so we can see each other. And Ben's had a nice new haircut. I have, yeah. I've, uh, I'm going away for the week with people that don't normally live with us, so uh, I thought I'd better make an effort. Um, so you don't, you know, it's not because of you guys. You don't need to feel special, but uh, we're all good. Do you have a lot of people who normally live with you? Uh, just the one and a cat. So you don't make an effort for Rachel. Is what you say, and you saying you basically don't make an effort for your wife. Uh, sometimes you that's know. what you basically <laughs> says. So. Yeah, but you know, she's a lucky lady, isn't she? Oh, she's yeah. <clears throat> the best and the luckiest anyway yeah. <laughs> i mean it's been it's been a week hasn't it it's um i think we we sort of touched on a couple of conversations um last week we'd obviously you know discussed a few things and then we said right let's go final game of the season since bank it'll all be good we can have a good laugh see our friends see everybody and probably lose the game but it won't make a difference because we're safe um and then we went to the game. The game wasn't that great, was it? It was sort of a poor Shit. first half. Yeah, poor first half, poor most of the second half. Um, with two 
decent, you know, decent enough goals and uh, came away with three points. Whether or not we deserved them, I don't know, but I don't care because at this point it was a dead rubber. Um, I think the thing that surprised me the most was just how much anger there was around me. Uh, the fact that this was a dead rubber and people were still getting incredibly angry uh, at anything that happened. It just, I was like, yeah, there's no point in getting angry about it. Well, as you know, I went out in town afterwards uh, and I bumped into two fans uh, in whatever varsity's called now. Um, and they had left, they left at half time, not because of the game, but because they were so close to falling out with people around them uh, who were getting angry. And I don't know. I don't know. If you watch a movie series and there's, there's 20 of you watch those uh, kids films, if you, if you go and watch that series of kid films, and then you go to the last one and the story is more or less tied up and you pay your tenner and the film's crap. You still moan that the film's crap, even though the story is more or less paid because you've still paid your tenner. So I can understand why some people were getting angry. Uh, I heard somebody say that it looked unprofessional, that we only had four people on the bench. Well, you know, again, we've got injuries and, and that's something that I'm sure we'll come on to shortly. So it was just a game. We don't do dead robbers very well do we as fans we don't you know dead rubber against colchester when we'd already got the league title in the bag and people walked out half time because they weren't entertained i'm not criticizing them for it we just don't do dead rubber as well yeah and it's the first i mean it was the first dead rubber of of um michael appleton's reign (laughs) it was the last one but um technically technically not technically wimbledon last year at home on the last game of the season was because we were already in the playoffs at that point so we, we couldn't drop out of the playoffs. We had Wimbledon at home and drew nil nil. I'd argue that you still play for a position. Yeah. What position you, you was still, that? You, you still play for like trying to, I don't know. I can't remember the, the exact ins and outs of where we Would were. We still have been in the playoffs if we'd won the game. Yeah, but we could have had a home yeah. game first. We could have had a home game second. We did have a home game first. You know what I mean? It was you, a dead you, rubber. You play for your position. Anyway, but look, it was, it was a, poor game it was just one of those ones where like i said i would i was just laughing like there was a guy in front of me who was just continually shouting and screaming and ranting and raving for 90 minutes and everybody around him behind him was just sort of looking at him going what are you what what is wrong with you why are you getting this angry but yeah ultimately i think it was one of those get to the end of the game and, you know, start to prepare for close season, watch the players do the, you know, get the awards, do the lap of honour. Um, I think given conversations that we'd had and obviously the, the discussion that we had on the podcast last week, I think we were both sort of looking out for, is this going to, you know, is is there a good buy in this or whatever? But they didn't seem to be, did they? It was, um, no, that was the only reason I waited, if I'm honest. I mean, we knew it was going to win player of the year. It was the worst, you know, there was nobody else to win it. We're, later on in this podcast, we're going to do our player of the year that's not called Regan Paul Award, um, <laughs> which proves that there was only, you know, by, by virtue of the fact that he probably started 10 more games than any other player makes him more or less player of the year. So um, there wasn't an awful lot of interest in that for me. I wanted to applaud the players, I suppose, for staying in the division, yeah. But I wanted to look at what Michael did. And as you said, he had his little and in his arms. He was walking around. He wasn't when he, by the time he got to where we were, which was kind of in front of lower two, like on the at the front bottom of lower two. He wasn't really even looking at the crowd. I don't know if he did it further along or anything like that. But he, the players were applauding, but Michael really wasn't. And I found 
I just thought, to be honest, it was just Michael. I thought if he was going, he might have been waving, he might have been saying thank you, but you know, ultimately, <clears throat> he was going and he wasn't doing that. So, yeah, and, and you know, I think there was the first tweet came from, I think it was a Telegraph journalist, John Percy. Um, yeah, it, it, that sort of sort of came out a little bit afterwards. I was uh, I was sat in B and Q car park and I was just going through Twitter. I was like, oh yeah, okay, right, that's that's happening then. And then yeah, sure enough couple of other sources reported it and then by the time that we'd gotten home it was like yeah michael's left the club um well at the ground it went earlier because obviously players were told and then the players came out morgan whitaker came out and was watching the um, oasis tribute act and by that point the journalists hadn't put it out there but there was the whisper that michael's just told the players and then there was kind of a 10 15 minute gap between that and the the journalists putting it out there so yeah okay. it was surreal it was interesting and and you yeah. know i could only think of a handful of other managers that i remember where they were when i when they left mm. where i was when they left i remember when you know when i first heard about dan and nick i was sat right here working um i remember i can't remember where i was when i heard keith alexander was leaving First time I knew where I was, I was outside Rugby Post Office because I read it on the back of the Echo. But do you know what I mean? That was, it's that kind of, it, it created a moment, but it's the yeah. right time. If he's, We said on the podcast last week, if the rumours were true and he's going to go, it has to be over the weekend. I, said, I think um, you'd have to look back. I seem to think I said by the time we're talking next week, we'd have to be looking for a new manager or something like that. So... Mm. Fair play. You know, I don't think any any organisation with Clive at the head would allow a, a key player, to a key person to leave and for it to drag on. We were too far behind last summer. Thanks to the playoffs, we're not going to make the same mistake this time, is, is what I seem to think. Sorry, I've just dropped a pen that I don't even need. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was, like you said, it was that moment when, when it was announced, I think everybody kind of, there was that little sharp intake of breath of, oh, okay, and then it, it sort of makes sense. Like, you know, it, it makes sense now. Um, it kind of sounds like it was the, the time was right for everybody. Um, you know, I think Michael, from from the wording that's been put out and sort of reading between the lines a little bit, I don't think, I genuinely don't think there was any sort of bad blood. I don't think there was any, you know, raised words or harsh words said. I just think it was that moment when they sat there and looked at him and right, I think Michael's taken us as far as we can go. And I think we've probably taken Michael as far as he can go as a manager um, with, you know, the resources that we've got. And I, I, well, obviously we're not privy to, to those meetings, but everything that's come out since, um, I mean, there's there's not been a huge amount from, from Liam and Clive publicly. Um, I think the radio Lincolnshire thing was the, the only thing they've done so far, but it doesn't sound like there was any hostilities, does it? I can't imagine that there would be any hostilities. Uh, I saw a tweet from Jess Appleton that I think Michael and, and uh, had received a bottle yeah. of beers and wines and stuff like that. So I don't think it was ever going to be a hostile departure. Um, I feel let down personally. And I don't know whether that's by the club or by Michael, but I just bought into the you know, championship in however many years and then last season getting so close. And I think there were circumstances that conspired this season. I, I would say that there are uh, facets and aspects to this departure that we will know, we won't ever know about. The, you know, what we've heard about in the media and, and the kind of official rhetoric is, is the story that, you know, fans are not told to believe, but, you know, you have to put a PR thing out there. I don't think there would be anger. I don't think they'd be fighting. But Michael signed a new deal 
um, what a top back end of last season, and yeah. you know he was intending to stay here and take us to the championship. Somewhere along the way, there's been what they call a misalignment. Now, for me, a misalignment is an interesting choice of word because it, although it doesn't say ranting and raving, it means that there's a direct one. Somebody wants to go in one direction, somebody the other. Mm. And doesn't suggest to me that Michael's taken the club as far as he can. I don't believe that for a second. When I say that, I mean in terms of the resources that he's got available to him. And I think there's, you know, obviously... He always knew what resources he'd had available to him. He he always knew that Mm. he was going to be... He said it in an interview himself not two or three weeks ago that... That that um, the, he knew the budget and he knew what his remit was and he knew he had to punch below his you know uh, buy players in and, and turn them around. So I don't know. I, I just feel a little bit cheated by the whole situation personally. But you know it's it's gone now. It's past. You can't change it. So that is mm. what it is. Yeah, and I I, I kind of feel I, I feel the same to a point. It's it's that it's that moment of you know I think a lot of people. Um, Obviously, you know there was a, a big, a big section of the fan. Well, I say big section, but a, a very loud section of the fan base that were, you know, very Appleton out. I, I just think, um, I, I just think, you know, there is an element of being careful what you wish for with that. I think uh, it could be. Well, the next appointment is obviously critical, um, and you know, it's, I, I, I think we both said that we trust Clive implicitly, um, but. The thing for me is that there was one, there was a there was a little group of people that were very Appleton out and were very vocal about you know oh we've lost this game he's got to go now oh we've we've been dumped out of the FA Cup we've he's got to go and he's got to go and that that was the rhetoric for quite a few people for quite a while and then the same people as soon as he's gone it kind of flips over to oh well he's been let down by. Jersey's been let down by Liam or whatever, and it was just the way that the blame suddenly flipped. And it was like, oh well, I'll, you know, it was almost like they were saying, oh, it wasn't Appleton out, but now that he's gone, it's somebody else's fault. And I just found that a, a disappointing thing to read from a few people, to be honest, because it's um, I've not seen any of them. Yeah, the people that said Appleton out for me are pleased that he's gone. I haven't seen anybody now kind of blaming Jez. For for the departure or anything like that. So I've seen I've seen a few of a few bits and bobs about that. Um, he must not have muted the right people. <laughs> well, I didn't want to say anything on that, but no, it's um, it's been it's been a bit of a, a weird one. And obviously, you know, you've got the the conspiracy theorists out there of you know, oh yeah, well, there's it, he's obviously gone because of this, that, and the other. So with, you know, you said it earlier. There will be things that we don't know about this. There, there's always things about anything that people won't know. Like nobody's going to know the full ins and outs apart from the people that were there, and that's fine. Like I, I don't have a problem with not being privy to every single conversation that's been had about this. But that doesn't mean that there's a big conspiracy theory, and it doesn't mean that you know, oh well, everybody's fallen out with everybody, and everybody's leaving, and everything's fucked. It's just, yeah, some of it is. Uh, you get that every year, though. If you let yeah, that year, you need to sort yourself out. Then, honestly, <laughs> it's like at Wembley. You know, people were saying Taylor Eden's saying his goodbyes, and you know, people move on. That's it. That's it. People move on. People come. People go. I don't. 
at the end of the day, if people want to have the conspiracy theories, they can all through the season. We've been having him. Jez George is leaving. He didn't. Anthony Scully leaving. He didn't. Mike Lapton's leaving. He did. Some are true, some aren't. At the end of the day, like I say, I've just... I think reaction after a game and, and, and scapegoating and finger-pointing is one thing, but do you know what? If people want to have the conspiracy theories, they can do, and if I think they're outlandish, I'll mute them, and then I don't read it, so... Mm. It's the best thing for it. Sorry for saying you saw, I won't saw your head out. I can see you and you look crestfallen, but you really do. You let the, you let other, other fans bother you too much when you don't need to. You really do. No, it's, it doesn't. It, it's not bothered me as such. It's just one of those things that, that so when it pops up. With them? No, I'm not picking so a pick, fight with anybody. So you're picking fight with fans. I don't. I no, don't know which one it is. It's one or the other. I don't pick fights with people. Um, you know, I just, I just thought, don't you start laughing, you cheeky bastard. No, I just, I. It's when it comes up, I'm just like, well, what's you know, what's the point in in that kind of idle speculation that's designed to make people go, oh yeah, well they must know something. It's like I'm very much aware that you know we have a platform and we we try not to whoa, whoa, start. It's about us now. Whoa, don't say no, 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 no. Let me finish. Let me finish. We have a platform. We don't try and start things. If, if there's a conversation that's happening, we'll discuss it. But it's when. Things get started, you know, discussions get started and based on just pure speculation and fantasy, it's just like, nah, just be, yeah, I, you know I do what? step away from it. Do you know what, you're, you're right, it's pointless, it's almost as pointless as us having spoken about, or rather you having spoken about it now for the last two and a half minutes. I'll cut that out then, fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I actually will do. Um, but, you know, it's, like you say, Michael's left the club. Um, he leaves, definitely leaves, you know, with, I think, probably fair to say, with both of our best wishes. Um, and I, I just think it's a... He's left us in a better spot than we were in when he when he arrived. Um, I agree. I think I've seen a few people suggesting the opposite, but I, I don't... Talking about other people. <laughs> no, but I, I, I don't think you can realistically look at everything that's gone on over the past, what, two and a half years with all of the roadblocks that have happened and all of the, the things that have been put in the way um, and suggest that we're in a worse place than we were when, when he came in. Um, you know, we've, we've improved off the field. The, yes, we've finished 18th or 17th in League One, but we finished and we're still in League One. So that's, you know, that's progress in my opinion. It's not the fact that we've not finished in the playoffs again this year, I think the fact that we've managed to stay in League One for a fourth successive season is good when you consider the things that are going on off the pitch. But um, third, he's eighth, fourth. It's third, isn't it? Third successive fun. season. Done. Michael's had his. Michael's kept us in League One for three seasons. Sorry, yes, you're right. Yes, season will be the fourth season, and that's the achievement. He's keeping us in League One, keeping us in a League One that's had former Premier League clubs like Portsmouth and Wigan. And you know, Portsmouth and Wigan are the only two teams other than Leicester outside of the Big Six who have won the FA Cup since about 1995, and we've had to play mm -hmm. both of those. You've got Sunderland and Sheffield Wednesday in this division. There's Charlton, there's Ipswich, massive, massive teams, and he's done well on a lower budget last season. And um, we had to come through COVID. You know, his aspirational squad, I seem to remember them called. It was a brilliant season. Michael doesn't leave this club with anything but but positivity. You know, he, he hasn't been sacked. We haven't sacked a manager since we sacked Gary Simpson, which was, what, 2013? It's, yeah, hopefully, if the new man comes in and, and, and does a decent job, it'll be a decade that Lincoln City haven't sacked a manager. I mean, can you imagine another football team doing that? I don't mm. think there's a football team 
apart from someone like Harrogate, that hasn't sacked a manager in 10 years. I, I just, yeah, I think as a club, we're, we're in a decent place. I think we're in a precarious place. I mean, it's obvious, you know, to say that the, the next appointment's crucial. Everyone was. It was like after Danny, it was crucial to turn it around. But it is a perilous position we're in now because we do have some good young players, but we definitely need a summer where we had experience. We definitely need to move quickly on that. Uh, and that would be my what my one concern, I think, it, with the names that are being mentioned for potential manager is I'm looking, are they the sort of people that are going to attract an experienced footballer? So we're talking about a Liam Bridcott or a, not so much Chris Maguire, maybe, but that's, do you know what I mean? A player yeah, yeah, yeah. who's... We need the spine to the team. For me, we can get the decorations. We've, we can get the young players on loan. We've got some good young players of our own. We've got some players um, like Anthony Scully. I mean, he scored 15 goals a season for two seasons now. First Lincoln player to do that since, I think, Mick Harford in the early 80s. Um, and he had, a, he had a poor season as well. People mm. will say, you know, Anthony Scully scored 15 goals and a lot of people weren't putting him in the player of the year running. So, you know, I, but it's about it's about building the spine. It really is. I still think we need a goalkeeper and Jordan Wright for me, just a little bit worrying towards the end of the season. We obviously need a set, a, a, a defensive pairing and we can, I suppose we best talk about him. If we are in talks with Stephen Bradley and he is the manager that's going to come, he likes to play three at the back. You've got to have somebody in the middle there. That's just, that pulls the strings almost. You've got to have a player in there um, like, like an Adam Jackson player, but I, I'm not sure Jacko is quite as vocal and as a leader. And you've got to have a Liam Bridcott or a Michael O'Connor for figure sat in front of the back four as well. Get those. And then it's, uh, I think it's a lot about window dressing. So, but yeah, Stephen Bradley, there we go. Sorry. I've yeah. Kind of yeah. I mean, the, the, there were two names. Um, well, the, the, I think there was one name that kind of floated to the top quite quickly um, on Saturday after the game, um, which was Ian Foster. Um Sort of England under-19s manager. I don't know whether that talk has now completely dissipated or whether this is, you know, whether the, the Stephen Bradley talk has kind of overtaken that. I know there's been the reports that we've made a formal approach to Stephen Bradley. Um, they're pretty, pretty reliable as well, aren't they? I mean, they've come from all aspects of the Irish press. Mm, um, yeah. And a lot of... I, I, I've started obviously following Irish football quite a bit since, I don't know, Monday. And... Um, yeah, there's there's an awful lot. I mean, the Ian Foster, it's interesting. You talk about rumour. It's interesting how many people in town on Saturday night told me that Michael Appleton was going to manage England under-19s. Hmm. Uh, so it, it just goes to show you how rumours get chopped up. Um, but it, it looks like Stephen Bradley is the first choice. My understanding, looking at some of the reports from Ireland today, is that we couldn't talk to him yesterday because he was at a grandparent's funeral. Um, but they have a big game. They, I think Irish teams play on a Friday, don't they? On a Friday night, if I'm not mistaken. And there was talk that this week Shamrock Rovers wouldn't be doing the usual pre-match press, which would suggest that the manager may not even be there. So... Um, do you know what? It wouldn't. I said last week it wouldn't surprise me if we were talking about potential new managers on the podcast. It wouldn't surprise me if next week we're doing a podcast on a new appointment. I think that's how close it seems to be getting. Yeah, I mean it. It would. I think me and you both said um, we spoke to Michael Horton on on Saturday. Um, I think you were slightly worse for wear when you were speaking to him. But eight points you, deep. I see you didn't sound it. That's fair <laughs> enough. You, you did well. I think I, I, I probably spoke sounded to cigars in quick succession just to try and sober up a little bit. Like, 
I was going to say, I think I probably sounded the more pissed of the two of us because I was just still a bit, still reading a little bit. But um, no, I think, um, I think, you know, we, we both said that we would be very surprised if things um, weren't moving, you know, if, if they hadn't already moved. And I would be, I would be very, very surprised if, you know, they weren't in the final stages of things before Saturday. Because obviously it was, things were happening in, in the weeks before. Like you don't sort of decide one day going, oh yeah, okay, um, I'm going to, I'm going to leave. And that was the Friday. And then they had a game on the Saturday and that was that. Um, I think potentially putting two and two together and, and maybe getting, you know, maybe getting a higher number, um, I do wonder if Clive was back in the country before then to to obviously oversee these conversations. And I think that was probably a good couple of weeks before the last game of the season. So, you know, we, we knew he was back and obviously Harvey was uh, was over as well. So I don't know how much of that was he's here for the last game or how much of that was, you know, they're having these conversations. But discussions have obviously taken place. And I think they're now at that stage where, you know, They've whittled down the candidates, and I think if this is the well, if this is accurate, they've gone for for Stephen Bradley. Then, um, you know, we may well it it may be the the case that this podcast goes out, and shortly afterwards we may have some confirmation. Um, I I would hope that's not the case because then it would just put it immediately uh, put it immediately out of date as opposed to normally when at least we have a couple of hours. But um, it probably wouldn't actually because we'd still be talking about the new manager who might be coming in, so we'd still be able to mm. to chat about him. And I think we ought to have a, a bit of a discussion for um, listeners who don't know kind of who he is and what he's achieved. Stephen Bradley, current manager of Shamrock Rovers over in the League of Ireland. Um, fits the profile of a young manager. I think he's 37 um, and one that is, you know, able to to bring through some youth and I think some good interviews, actually. Um, there's a The Hope and Glory podcast got a good interview with an Irish journalist who basically says everything that, um, that Liam Scully and Clyde Nates have said that they look for in a manager. It, it kind of ticks every box um, with uh, with Bradley. So it's, you know, I think I didn't really know much about Ian Foster and I don't didn't really know a huge amount about Stephen Bradley. Um, I imagine Google, uh, Google search results for that in the LN postcodes have gone through the roof over the past few days. But uh, what was um, what, what's your gut feeling on it, guys? Yeah, well, I've, I've done quite a bit of research on um, Stephen Bradley. So obviously, he was an Arsenal trainee, um, suffered an injury that certainly wasn't um, wasn't to be blamed on a physio. He was stabbed in the no. head in a burglary. Um, so he, I think his career kind of went down from there. But he came over from Ireland as, as one of the brightest players of his generation. Um, finished his playing career at 26 over in Ireland. So he was very, very quickly on the coaching path and then managing Shamrock Rovers. Shamrock were um, they were one of the biggest clubs in Ireland, for those who don't know. But they haven't had any success since the early 2000s when he took over. If I remember correctly, um, I don't think they'd won a trophy when he first took over in six or seven years. Uh, he won the FAI Cup in his first season, finished second, and then he's now won two successive uh, titles as well. That's given him a European adventure where they've played AC Milan, for instance. Um, I think they lost 2-0 to Milan. Ibrahimovic got one of the goals. Uh, they were also then in whatever the European trophy 
Tottenham found themselves in might have been Conference League or something. I think they were in the Conference League with Spurs. And that's one of the reasons Shamrock fans are saying, why would he go to Lincoln City? Because actually, whilst we kind of look at the League of Ireland as this, you know, don't really give it any serious weight, you know, to all intents and purposes, Shamrock Rovers are the Celtic or Rangers of, of, of the League yeah. of Ireland, or they are the Man City or Liverpool of, of Lincoln of Lincoln, of England. So, um, you know, they're, they're a big side over there. They, they has developed youth. He developed a young lad called Jack Byrne, I think, who came through. He sold to APOEL in Cyprus, who were managed by Mick McCarthy. He's gone on to be a Republic of Ireland international. They've got an attacking midfielder called Danny Mandriou, who was being chased by Celtic um, last summer. Uh, I think he's only 23. Out of contract in November will be a nailed-on transfer rumour for Cornell. Uh, and with a name like Danny Mandriou, that's bound to fit into something other than bad man team. Um well, so, uh, what was his surname? Longju? Man, Mandriu, Mandriu, M-A-D-R-I-U. Oh, it, it sounded like you said long, long, it sounded like long at the start. I thought you've got your Green Day t-shirt on, there you go, you can nice. not have, view. It, have it as no. long view, but that's not right. Um, yeah, because they don't actually say the word long view. In <laughs> no, I realise that as so I said. <laughs> that's not going to work, is it? Um, so I, I kind of, I like it. I've looked at him, uh, or Chris Lamming kind of did some work on him tactically um so he likes to play a like a, a three two four one if you want to call it that so three at the back with your two wide players and then like a, a sort of you know three central defenders almost which i really liked as against sheffield wednesday with the two wing backs and like a box in midfield two holding midfielders and two tens with a lone striker ahead of them um and it's a it's a tactic that has worked for several clubs getting out of this division three at the back's a really good way forward sheffield united got out of this division with three at the back and went through the next division coventry obviously got out of this division with three at the back and sustained themselves in the championship so i think that's interesting as well so he's got the right credentials i think it's interesting that there are parallels with michael you know mm. exciting young player retired early through injury got then gone down the coaching path so we're not going into um an, a, like a, an ian foster who um he's gone down the coaching path but without the playing career but michael's mm. playing career is more illustrious but to be fair stephen bradley obviously has had talent as well in his day so if it is him um it's an interesting one the hard there are critics from ireland who say that Shamrock have had the most money, they've bought the league, it's, you know, he's one-dimensional. There are some Shamrock fans who say that they, they don't like listening to his excuses, but I shouldn't think he's had to make that many, has he? I mean, he's brought AC Milan to Shamrock Rovers. This is a this is a league where I think if you look at the average attendances of the other teams, I mean, Shamrock, I think, are around um, five 6,000, something like that. But the other some of the other teams in there are 1,500. So you can understand people in Ireland thinking it would be a sidestep mm. and you can understand people in Lincoln thinking it'll be a step up because yeah. it's, you know, people in Lincoln, if we got the Aberdeen manager would say that's going to be a step up and the uh, yeah, people in Scotland go, well, hang on. They play eight games a year against the Celtic and Rangers in front of 60,000 people. I mean, okay, yeah. they don't because some of those are away, but you know what I mean? Um, so it will be a calculated risk. The last time the club took a calculated risk, they took it on Chris Sutton. That was a bad calculated risk. I think when you look at, yeah, um, yeah th there's a lot to be said for Stephen Bradley, but then it's like whenever we sign a player, it's easy to look at what other people say. It's easy to to look at stats and what he's won and, and, and this, that and the other. Proofs in the pudding. Yeah. Simple as that. I mean, ultimately, you know, it's going to come down to the conversations that, that are being had with, with Clive, with Liam, with the rest of the backroom team. 
and whether it's you know i think at this point it's whether he's the right fit for lincoln um as well as obviously you know lincoln being the right fit for him um i think the interesting thing for me is just touching back on some of the stuff about the criticisms that I've seen from some people about, you know, oh, well, Michael was forced out with whatever. I just wonder, you know, the role of the the manager of Lincoln City has is, is changed so much. It's, it's no longer the manager is in control of absolutely everything. We've got a decent backroom staff, and I think the work that, you know, a typical old manager would have has now been sort of spread across a team, and it's the person in that team that's, um, you know, obviously he's leading the team, but it's not all exclusively down to him anymore. And I wonder if that's potentially why some people have gotten frustrated or, you know, why this this narrative seems to be drummed up. Um, and whether... There you go again. There no, you go again. I'm, no, I'm just saying, like, whether this is the case, myself. you know, if, if that is the way that the club are moving forward... But yeah, um, it's a head coach, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's, it's 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 what Brentford have done to push forward. It's what a lot of teams do. I don't, I I thought that was obvious. Personally, I thought that not was... to some. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, I think it's from from what's been said, what's been spoken about. I think it would be an interesting appointment. Um, I mean, at, at this point, I I don't really know too much about the people that, that you know that, that Clive and and Lim, well, and Clive in particular would be looking at, but. You look at the t- last two people that Clive's brought in; he's not done badly, has he? No, I think my, yeah. you know, I think my uh, my trust in in Clive and the board at the moment is is pretty strong. So, um, I just, yeah, I've, I've got a lot of faith in them to to bring in the right person, and hopefully, I think the key thing is that it was announced after the end of the, the final game of the season, um, which then obviously gives the you know the board and and the the team the time to get somebody new in um, without then limiting it to a short pre-season. So we've now got, hopefully, as much time as we possibly can. Is it 11 weeks till the start of the new season? Yeah, I think so. So, you know, possibly, you know, nine, ten weeks where everything's going on. Go on then. Let's talk about... Uh, let's talk- <laughs> you fucking twat. Sorry for those that. Well, I'm not. We're not putting this up on YouTube because absolutely <laughs> fuck that noise. Um, because we're doing this on Streamyard, Gary can put his little uh, his little comments on, and he just put one up that was uh, uncalled for. Anyway, um, yeah, Mr. Burberry. Yeah, so interesting I, appointment I, from Rotherham. Yeah, it's a quick one. Uh, obviously, well, before we bring Jake in, and we'll say why we're going to bring Jake in in a minute, but. Yeah, the injury situation has been problematic this season. Um, I think there are contributing factors that the club obviously feel that there is um, there is sufficient um, cause to bring in a, a head of performance. I'm not quite sure how that aligns with the current team down there. Uh, we need to see an improvement in the fitness of the players in terms of minutes on the field. Uh, Rotherham were one of the fittest teams in Europe. I saw some stats on training around Grand Guru the other day. They they were, I think they were in the top four for, for distance ran during a game. So, um, you know, if we're going to play high intensity, high pressure, which I think we we may well need to do, we certainly need more intensity, um, be an interesting appointment. He's got quite a CV as well, hasn't he? I think he's worked, is it the NHL? Not not even Forest he's worked at? Uh, yeah. Uh, is it the um, NHL? Chef uh, Wednesday. Buffalo Sabres there. Um, yeah, interesting one. I mean, it's... 
it, it's an area that we needed to improve, isn't it? You know, I think there was a, a few, well, more than a few injuries in the season where you'd get to a point and you'd hear, oh, you know, they were fit and then all of a sudden, oh, they're taking a knock in training and, uh, yeah, they're not going to be playing now. Um, and that actually ties into the next story as well. Because um, there, was, there was talk going around on Saturday. Obviously, uh, um, Jordan. Yes, I, I couldn't. I can never, I never remember how to pronounce the first name. Um, was it was recalled from Gainsborough, um, which kind of you know pointed to the fact that he would potentially be starting or at least featuring in the match day squad on Saturday, um, and then it didn't show up. It didn't happen, um, and then it. You know, the talk is that he was injured in training before the game. Uh, before the game kicked off, so well, a, a club insider, let's say, um, intimated to me that he was intending to. It was intended that he was going to play some part in the game on Saturday, but he had been carrying an injury, and we were aware of the fact he had been carrying a knot when he came back, which he then exasperated in training in either the first or or second day he was back. So, as I understand it, he may have had a late fitness test before the game, um, didn't get in. But has done very well, I think, when you look at his stats from Gainsborough. Struggled, I think, in the first half of the season at Gainsborough, but has a, a decent goal-scoring record in the second half of the season. Um, it eludes me at the moment how many, but I think he's scored something like six goals in the second half. So he's been playing serious men's football. Remember the first time I saw him in, in a friendly, I remember him coming on, and I just thought, Joe, you know what, that kid ain't going to make it, because I thought he looked lightweight. Um, when I met him at the beginning of last season at a sponsors event, I thought he looked seven um, because he just had this, just such a baby face. I saw the interview with him signing his new deal, which is what we're talking about. We haven't actually said it, but he signed a long-term deal with the club. Saw the interview with him. He's grown up very quickly. You could see it in his face, in his mannerisms and the way he's spoken. Gainsborough Trinity is not the level of football we want to send our youngsters to. Um, you know, like a Freddie Draper, for instance, next season, you wouldn't want him going to Gainsborough because it's the league below the National League North. It's too low. But for somebody like Jovan, it's it's been brilliant by the looks of things. And if he comes in, I think he'll go back out on loan, but you'd be lo- looking to loan him to the National League next, um, yeah. National League North at the very, very minimum, but National League as well. And Gainsborough fans seem to think that's possible. He's left a good impression on them. So um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully he can progress. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing, isn't it? You know, you've got a player that's, like I said, looks a little bit lightweight, looks a little bit, you know, needs needs toughening up. And where are you going to do that? You're going to send him to a place, you know, where there is a lot, of, a lot of physical <laughs> it's not football. Fucking games, bro. <laughs> Let's send him there. I wonder if he was lodging on the Park Springs estate, <laughs> and then like ten o'clock at night, we'd say, right, Jovan, you go fetch some milk, mate. You go on foot, not in the car. <laughs> you go. I'll toughen you up some that well. Like fucking Mad Max outside. <laughs> um, but you know, you go, you go somewhere, you go to a league where you're going to be get, you're going to get roughed up a little bit. I mean, it's it's not. It's not the prettiest football in in the National League, you know, National League North. But what league is it they play in now? It's not Northern Premier. Yeah. So you know, like I said, sorry, the one below, yeah, below National League. But it's it's not going to be pretty ticky tack football. It's just going to be get the ball, get past somebody, and get battered, and and try not to get clattered by somebody else. So yeah, I think there's a bit more to it than that. I mean, you, well, you know, I know I know Gainsborough's like Mad Max, but it isn't like Blood Bowl or anything. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, been to watch some football Lincoln United's level and have seen some decent stuff. It's not all clattering or, or or anything like that. That's spoken by somebody who's probably never seen a Premier Northern Premier League game, is it, man? Seen one or two. 
That's not the division Lincoln United playing, is it? No. I've seen lower then. I've seen some Lincoln United <laughs> games. <laughs> anyway. all, I'm say, all I'm saying is, no, yeah. no, it is a tough league. It's a man's yeah. league. It's not compromising. I get the point you make. I'm being facetious because I've had a bad day. Um, so I make no apologies for that. That's just how I am. So, <laughs> right. Do you want to introduce the next section before this all goes to pot? Should we bring a proper broadcaster in? Somebody <laughs> used to working with professionals. I mean, it's it's already gone to pot, hasn't it, guys? Let's let's not let's not take the piss. I mean, just before will anyway. I pressed record. Yeah. Um, so um, we're going to do a little bit of a season review or a season wrap up. Um, and what better way? Than to uh, than to get Mr. Jake Tong in on the podcast. Um, here he is, looking incredibly smart. Hello, chaps. How are we? Good quality camera that as well, isn't it? Has he got some new gear? No, it's a, it's it, it's an iPhone, Gary. Um, do you know what one of those is? No. Oh, look, Don't... do you know what I can do really easily? Look, there, gone. <laughs> now we can't hear him again. That's the end of Jake. <laughs> oh, well, that was Jake, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining us. Oh. Yeah. yeah, the thing is, the thing is, Jake Gary's got an inferiority complex when it comes to phones. It's like, I know, what, I know what an iPhone is because everybody who owns one tells me about them. Yeah, but they don't know, do they, Gary? Yes, they do. Oh, I've got an iPhone. Have you seen the latest iPhone? Do you know what my iPhone does? Stick your iPhone up, you chaps. Right? It was better than recording out of a toaster, Gary. Well, I'm recording actually on a high definition Logitech C920 webcam that Good I used that. for that I used for the professional match day live show that I was involved in last year before it um, obviously got discontinued and I ended up working with you bloody jokers. <laughs> oh dear. No comeback. Prick. Dear. Anyway, yeah, we're going to go over <laughs> some some moments of the season and kind of look to, uh, you know, look to wrap it up in, in only the way that the Stacey West podcast can. Um, <laughs> Sarcastically, so, <laughs> self-deprecating and having a pop at each other. That's badly, brilliant. yeah. <laughs> um, but how how are you doing, Jake? Are you well? It's um... no, yeah. I'm I'm not too bad. Um, I mean, I've had a I've had a job interview today, which I was unsuccessful with. Not to bring the mood down, but um, no. sorry, mate, to hear that. No, joking aside. No, it, yeah. it, it it happens, and uh, it happens for a reason. So, no, um, I've got home, made myself a brew, and. Um, Probably gonna have a few beers later because uh, you know how it is. Yeah, yeah. I do. Uh, sorry, Jake. I mean, I, I know that we don't want to take the mic or anything, but just show us that mug again, please. Because uh, <laughs> I can see the mug. No, J- no, Jake. Bring it into <laughs> I, the camera. I know you can see. I, I know you can see. The I mug can't there. see it at the minute, <laughs> but I know it was. I know it was pink, and I know he said Little Miss something on it, and I'm just wondering, Little it's, Miss Princess. Yeah, okay. That's me. That's me. <laughs> okay, Little Miss Princess. Okay, there we go. Jake has his Little Miss Princess. <laughs> I'm ready, I'm ready to do the podcast like a big boy now. Other people can't see it, but the look on Jake's face when I said show us that mug, just for a moment. You know, like normally when a video feed freezes, it was just that <laughs> frozen horror for a second when he realised, shit, I've made it in the Little Miss Princess mug. <laughs> it's like that bit in the office where David Brent goes to his blind date, turns around and sees his Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, for <laughs> fuck's sake. <laughs> anyway, shall we get on with... Uh, with, with with the uh, the bits to go through, um, shall we start with the player of the season that isn't called Regan Paul? Gary, your player of the season that isn't called Regan Paul. 
so I have plumped for Anthony Scully. Mm-hmm. Um, I've plumped for Anthony Scully because uh, he was sensational in the first half of the season until probably Sheffield Wednesday away. Um, I mean, he bossed the game against Cambridge. You know, he was nailed on Player of the Year. Eddie stayed fit, wasn't fit, got injured, struggled a bit when he came back. But I tell you something, when he's come back, he still scored regular goals. We're talking about a player here that scored 15, as we said earlier in the podcast, 15 goals a season for the second season in a row. Um, first player, I think, to do that since Mick Harford, who was an absolute legend at the club. So, do you know what? I think the problem with Anthony Scully is we still don't know where to play him. For me, he's not a left winger because he doesn't have that turn of pace, but you like him cutting in from the left. And and just going back to the whole Stephen Bradley thing, playing that kind of four in midfield with two tens, Anthony Scully on the left of that attacking kind of pair of tens, I think that's probably the position he's made for. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go Anthony Scully. Fair enough. And uh, Jake, what about yours? Um as a goalkeeper, I, I've I've gone for Josh Griffiths. I think Griffiths had a really good season. Um, started off really shaky. I think there was a, a an error that he made in the in the game against Bolton. But ever since then, he's been fantastic. Um, you know, I, I went to the game away at Burton, um, single handedly kept us in that game uh, at times, and he's made some really big saves. And Jordan Wright's done well since coming in, but you can really tell the difference of having an England under-21 international in your net and not. Um, but for me, Josh has had a really good season, um, backing up what he did last year at, at Cheltenham. And um, I've got no doubt he'll have a career at, at West Brom uh, at some point. So, um, no, for me, Griffiths was my uh, player of the season that wasn't Regan Paul. Fair enough. And uh, for me, I've gone for Luis Fiorini. I think it was a, it was a player that we spoke about quite early on um saying so, you know that we, we would hope that he would come in and, and make the best out of his loan spell um started brightly and then fell away a little bit but over the past well last third of the season i think he was um superb um you know he, he came on leaps and bounds um and he, he sort of the way that he developed himself over the season or the way that he was able to develop within the club, it was definitely one of those moments where you can see the benefit of people coming up or young players coming to Lincoln City because he grew as a, fa- a player. He grew as a person as well from, you know, from all accounts. Um, it was just, he, he needs to learn to not say the word obviously so much in his interviews. Cause I think if you, I know you're, you're a, a bastard for this guy when you, you pick up on something that somebody does and they keep doing it over and over in interviews. Yeah. You, me. Uh, I mean, to be fair, even if even if it's something that they don't do, you, you still do it anyway. But um, yeah, it, it, I noticed that uh, Lewis says obviously quite a lot. But um, yeah, really, really good bloke, um, and he's he scored some cracking goals, and he came on so strong in the back half of the season. So, do you know what I think is really interesting is that genuinely, without conferring, we've picked three different names, hmm. and. Actually, Regan Paul was so far out there, so far ahead, that nobody thought about what the others because because players were injured. Talking, I think Griffiths actually is a great shout and a little bit of a, a, a glimpse here. I'm going to do Player of the Year based on ratings on the Stacey West. So they're the ratings that fans have done every single week, week in, week out. Josh Griffiths is third in that vote. And he wasn't even mentioned by people going in. I think the fact Brooke Norton Coffee came third in the official um, voting was a joke. 
um, personally, because Brooke had a decent season. He played, what, 15, 16 games. And if you could, if you were allowed to qualify for player of the year based on 15 or 16 games, I mean, but when we were chatting off air, Ben, you said, well, Ted Bishop, do you know what, actually, you could pick 16 games where Ted Bishop's probably done well. Mm. You know, definitely Scully Griffiths, without a doubt. I mean, without a doubt. Uh, yeah, he dropped bollocks against Bolton. Actually, I blamed him partially for the goal against Wickham, where we lost 1-0 as well. Uh, and I blamed him for the opening goal of the season against Gillingham. But he pulled off so many good saves. And I think it just shows, actually, we... I've heard words like this squad's as bad as any team as as, as anybody's seen for years and years. What a load of bullshit that is. This squad was a deep, decent squad. Listen to other people squad. on social media, Gary. That's what I don't mean. call other people out on the podcast. That's the difference, man. Not calling anybody out. <sighs> Makes a fucking change. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. You can't edit it all out, can you? You can edit a few <laughs> of them out, but you can't edit it all out, mate. Uh, very true. But um, right. Okay. Let's uh, go on for best match. So best match of the season, whether that's home, away, whether we went to it, whether we uh, listened to it or whether we watched it on iFollow or whatever we did. Jake, Mm. your match of the season. (coughs) Um, Difficult. I've I've got three in my mind. Um, I won't explain the two that I'm not going to go for, but I think the one that that sticks out for me because I went was the game away at Wigan. Um, it was fantastic. You know, even um, it was a nightmare of a drive. I I, I drove it after a day's work. Um, it was a nice little carvery pub that was fantastic before the game, which is you know, as you know is the most important thing. But the the game was fantastic. The fact that nobody gave us a cat and else chance today of going to Wigan and getting anything, um, even though they had struggled on Tuesday nights prior to to us playing there. But you know. It was. It looked like the one game that Dan and Lundblu actually knew what it was doing in terms of the fact that Michael told him to run away from the ball and uh, and obviously uh, a great ball from Teddy um, and then Dan put it in the net and then obviously we we held, ended up holding out only just though because they scored I think it was like in the ninety third minute um, Gavin Massey scored um, and it looked like we we're going to keep a clean sheet but but no Wigan away for me they've probably been. The best, well, they have been the best team because the league table didn't lie after 46 games. Um, to go to them and, and pick up a win, um, not many teams have done it this season. So, no, the Wigan, the Wigan result for me. Fair enough. Um, and Gaz, what about yours? Uh, well, I can almost guarantee that one of the two that I've picked are the two that Jake's got in reserve. So, you're going to get left with the last one. I'm going to pick a home game. Um, I'm going to pick Sheffield Wednesday at home. And I think... It was close. It was close to an away game. And if you don't say the game that I think you're going to say, I'd like to give a special mention to a game. But I'm going to go for Sheffield Wednesday, I think, because we went into it with no expectation. You know, I thought we were going to get beat. Everybody thought we were going to get beat. We hadn't been looking good. We weren't scoring enough goals. Um, and, and I just I thought we were excellent. I thought it was the game where Luis Fiorini underlined the fact that he's that he's actually going to be a brilliant player and people saw what he was capable of. It's easy to be blind to players when you don't want to see it, but he forced it. He forced you to show you know, to, to recognise how good he was. And it's just the atmosphere, isn't it? Wasn't it the, the biggest crowd we'd had at Sinsel Bank um, since Huddersfield in 1982? It, they're just the games that they're just the games that we're a fan for. And, and the moments that we're fans for, you know, I came away from that game and it, like Jake, you know, a, a good game. I remember something before and afterwards and we came back here, played my dad at pool. We had the bar open. I just remember thinking, oh, this is how life should be. It shouldn't be, you know, losing at 
bloody Carlisle and the Mickey Mouse Cup because a player's stood on the side drinking a, a drink. It should be competing with teams like this. And the other thing is, it was one of the few games where it was red versus blue. And for me, they're the two. That, that's how football should be. Do you know what I mean? We're red and white stripes. They're blue and white stripes. Bang, bang. Nice. That that was a day. That was how football should have been. It was the highlight of the season for me yeah. uh, at home. It's the two colours you get in Sabutio, isn't it? In the, in the yeah, that's kit. what it was. That's what in I was thinking. Pack, yeah. yeah, it was. And do you know what? Actually, the very first Sabutio I ever got, I got the base pack and they were blue and red, but I got two teams with them. I got Lincoln City and Gillingham and they were red and blue as well. And like <laughs> at the time, I thought like, oh, this is cool. But looking back, what a wasted opportunity. My parents could have got me like Dundee United or something with Lincoln, couldn't they? <laughs> Just so I could have, you know, or, or a team that played in yellow. And I could have pretended it's everybody's away kit because everybody plays in yellow. But Sorry, anyway, go on. Then. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, my, my choice was, was, the you know, first choice was the, the Wednesday game at home because it was just that moment of shit. We're playing a team of this stature, and you know it. It's not like it's our cup final or anything, but you know we're playing a big team, a, a historically big team at home, on you know as equals, and we've comprehensively beaten them. Um, that was it for me for for that. But the the one I'm hoping the one that you're going to mention or the the one that you want to give the honourable mention to. Um, is the one that sent Lincoln City semi-viral on uh, online um, the Sunderland game, um, Sunderland away. I mean, I, the thing is, it, 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 I didn't go, and you're both shaking your head at me. Um, I didn't go, but was able to watch it, and the whole thing around it. Like, I think we we would all suggest that you know Chris McGuire's maybe not lived up to anything much this season, but for that one night. He, he was untouchable um, and I think he obviously had the point to prove but I think the, the first goal and the way that he took that and then that it was just that moment of like yep yeah, you know what I'm going to I'm just going to step away actually no I'm going to run over and I'm going to take the piss out of my former manager it, it kind of it, it, it was that bit of like yeah he just elevated it for me a little bit beyond a normal game of football um, and it was it was fun at the time but so the game you've picked is where somebody called somebody out in front of loads of people why am i not shocked about that <laughs> such an arsehole um go on what, what was the one you wanted to give an honorable mention to? I, know, but I, I want to know that i'm assuming jake one of yours was chef wednesday what was the other one uh yeah wimbledon oh okay wimbledon was was great um when when, it, when Teddy scored it, we weren't safe, but it felt like we were, we, you know what I mean? We pulled away. Um, and I know you hate the word, Gary. You absolutely detest you the word You say I'm dropping you off this. I'm <laughs> dropping you off now. I've got the mouse. Look, there's the mouse, boys. <laughs> that four-letter word that describes your arms and legs. Five um, letters. Five, five letters, letters, Jake. Oh. I've a, look, I've had a tough day, Gary. All right, the five letters that that word L I M S were six letters L I M M M S. After the time they had finished, I think I bat, you know, battered my head that much that I probably would think it had four letters in. But um, no, really, re no, Wimbledon for me was, was was fantastic. Again, nice, nice little look, South London calf that we went to before the game um, with Chris and 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 the football gang. And no, a, a, a really, and also, I mean, moment of the season as well. Um, well, we're coming to happened, that. Oh, sorry. No, we'll go. No, go on then. I'll, sorry, no, uh, no, we're not. No, we're not. We're coming to the low point of the season. So yeah, carry on. 
Are we doing what moment of the season? Is that does, does it have to be football specific? No. Um, the sign for, to City, yeah, the, yeah, the 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 sign for Andy Pearson um, on the final home game of the season. Um, we, me, me, Chris, Luca, and that lot had planned that for a while, um, and, and finally we got the chance on the final home game to to ask Mr. Pearson for his shirt, and he was. Um, I think he, I think he had a right giggle about it. So uh, <laughs> you asked him um, for his shirt, and he, you gave him the sign. Yeah, yeah, we get the sign, but he's giving me this, man. Hold on. I've got this. I don't need anything else. This, this is I've great got... for those listening at home. For those watching in black and white, Everton I've, are playing in blue. I've got the I've got the Space West High Viz that I'm not allowed to wear into any football grounds ever. Um, <laughs> but, you um confused yeah. for a steward. Just um, um, just to pick the up the thread of, you know, what we actually yeah. meant to talk about. Um, I was gonna pick Cambridge away. Oh yeah, that, that was that was my. Uh, if it, if we picked home and away games, it, that that would be my my away yeah. game of the season. It was um, it was a comprehensive performance. And what's really frustrating is we were so much better than Cambridge that day, and we could have been so much better than teams with the greatest respect, like Cambridge, like Shrewsbury, like Burton, like Cheltenham, like Morecambe. We should have been that quality almost every time we played them. It showed that for me gave me a glimpse of what Lincoln City could do. Um, rather than what we ended up doing. Yeah. On on a similar note, I think a, a sort of um a sort of possible, you know, honourable mention was uh, for the Cheltenham game away. Um we drew it we drew two all, but I think the fact that the grit and the you know just the levels of effort that were shown on that day, it made even though we, we kind of you know, we we didn't win the game, and the fact that we conceded in the last minute after scoring in the last minute, it almost felt like a loss to some people. But coming away from that game, I felt so positive. There have been complaints that some of the players don't give a shit, but coming out of the ground, I just thought, you know what, that's that's the determination, that's the fight. And you know, Teddy Bishop was playing at right back and scored too. But anyway, do you know the Wimbledon bit- game? The Wimbledon game. Actually, we were safe after that win. Because I think that win took us on to 40-something points. So that actually was the game that made us safe. It, it, mad, isn't it? We were actually safe 10 games before the end of the season. <laughs> Didn't feel like go. it, but there we go. Sorry, no. crack on. No, so um, we've we've sort of done the uh, the good stuff. Um, we'll come to the low point. A lot of the good stuff over the years. Low point of the season. Gary. <clears throat> It's hard because there have actually been so many um, and I'm going to change the one I was going to say. The low point of the season for me was Gillingham at home Yeah. Um, because it was a, it was a must not lose game. It was um, Gillingham. It was, do you know what? I, I know that the, 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 the Jules in the blood guy is a decent enough guy and, uh, but I just don't like Gillingham. I don't like mm. Gillingham at all. Um, I don't like, the way that they reacted after the first game of the season in the racism incident, the club never condemned the racism uh, or the alleged racism. Uh, do you know what? It was just, I just don't like them. And for them to come to Sinsel Bank and think that they'd won a game that was going to keep them in League One made me feel physically sick. Uh, and I never react. Like if we concede a late goal, I never go, right, that's it, and get up and walk out while the away fans are cheering. And I did that day because they were shit. We were worse, but they were shit. They didn't deserve the win. And ultimately, 
I'm just actually quite pleased that, that they've gone down as well. Um, but they'll always have that 2-0 win against us. And bear in mind, they beat us 3-0 at Sinsel Bank last year, and we yeah. weren't there. So on aggregate, Gillingham have scored five without reply against us. And for me, I, you know, I, I hope they enjoy their trip to bloody Barrow next season. That's all I'll say. Yeah, that game was on Rachel's birthday as well, so that made a Not fun. Barrow and Gillingham? No, your Gillingham game, you bellend. You can tell he's had a shit day because he's just taking it out on us, Jake. I feel well, better. I feel I mean better. me. No, he's taking it out on you, Ben. He's not yeah, taking yeah. Don't, don't, don't. I'm not taking me. it out on little Mister Can't Spell Limbs over there. Am I? <laughs> <laughs> or little Miss, little Miss Princess Mug. I haven't missed a dictionary. Like... <laughs> it's special to be taking the mick out. Of. This is it. Uh, I can understand I mean, my... that why you do video content and not written content, Jake. Anyway. <laughs> My uh, my low point again. I think. <laughs> Come on, my somebody say you can understand why I don't do video content with a face like this. That should have been the comeback. God, you're poor. Go on, watch your bloody match. Have your moment. <laughs> my my low moment. I mean, you weren't taking the piss out of me, so I wasn't going to stick up for Jake. Um, <laughs> yeah, for me, it was it was either the Gillingham game. Um, it's it's one of three to be honest. It was the Gillingham game, the Hartlepool game, or the Portsmouth game um, at home. I think. There were, you know, I, I don't like leaving games early, but those three games I left early this season. I, 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 did, I, I don't, I know, sorry, I didn't leave the Portsmouth game early, but I, I left the other two early because it was just shite. Like, I was so annoyed at the Hartlepool game that we were actually basically back at Pelham Bridge by the time the full time whistle had gone. Um, th- there was just nothing to it. And, you know, the fact that it was followed up a couple of days later by crew. It, it, that was the the sort of lull before that Cheltenham game, wasn't it? And it was just poor going out of the FA Cup, um, and uh, you know having all that stuff was <laughs> it's just a bad bad run. Um, and it, it kind of yeah, that was my low point for the for the season. What about you, Jake? You've nabbed mine last minute, so I'll change it. Crew, <laughs> crew away um, was pretty bad. Uh, I stupidly decided to to make the last minute decision to go to crew. Um, yeah, I wish I never bothered. Um, it, the players just didn't show up at all, and they were bottom of the league. I think they'd won once at home all season before, or something along those lines. Um, they were rooted to the bottom, and we just went there and had our uh, bellies tickled and rolled over. Um, and yes, you can argue the penalties. Um, well, you can argue the first penalty. You can't argue the second penalty. Um, but yeah, it was it, it was just absolutely horrendous, and uh, one that I'm glad that we haven't got to do next year, like 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 Gillingham. Yeah, they just lost the Reds, didn't they? As soon as that first first one was given away, that was it. And the worst thing is, Joe, I actually quite like Crew. I like. I don't yeah. mind the ground. It's not a great drive, but they, they're decent fans. I don't. I've not got an issue with with crew fans. I, I'll forget their slightly checkered youth team history. Um, but as a as a club, I don't know. I've enjoyed my trips there as well. I mean, I don't want to rub it in, but I seem to think. Obviously, I didn't go to that Tuesday. I saw us lose there. Alex Woodyard scored late. But I remember us winning there four one four nil. Don't remember that one. That was good. just decent. I mean, I, I'm I'm sorry that we've lost crew. To be honest, out of this division, I'd like crew and Wimbledon to stay up and Doncaster yeah. actually. But yeah. just not Gillingham. So I'd like Gillingham to run down four times. <laughs> one out of four ain't bad. Yeah. 
Um, that's the, was that the song that Meatloaf rejected? It's like, no, nah, the odds on that. <laughs> One out of four, come on. Let's get the odds up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's just just a, a quite a few to pick from, let's be honest. Um, but one that is always fun to look at, goal of the season. Jake, which one gave you limbs? Uh, Regan Pools against Charlton. Wasn't, wasn't technically very good, but if you're asking which caused the, the biggest limbs, I think that one. Um. <laughs> <laughs> For those, yeah, Gary has just cringed into himself, I think. Uh but no, I don't think that was. I think the the goal of the season, in terms of um, you know technical ability, uh, I would have gone for Fiorini's at Cambridge, um, rocket into the top corner. I mean, you could have picked any of Scully's goals that day as well. Uh, I think they're all pretty good. Um, Scully's had his own uh, sort of goal of the season show, like real, hasn't he? I think he scored a couple, but I won't ruin. Um, in case either of you two have gone for Scully, but no, Fiorini away at Cambridge for me with that left foot into the top corner. Um, technically superb. Wasn't cool. it the only one that was at that end of the pitch as well? Uh, no, the only one, we I remember. one up at half time. Was there only and one it, up at half time? No, three, it was three. Three one. Oh, so there were, yeah, sorry. I was going to say, I was at, I was, we were drinking in St. Ives at nine o'clock. I can't remember, but I remember <laughs> Fiorini because he came on, didn't he? He was a sub. He yeah. didn't start the game as well. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, what about uh, your pick for goal of the season, Gaz? Um, well, actually, I haven't gone for any Scully goals at all. Uh, I've gone for I quite like Fiorini at Wimbledon. I think it was a moment, a rare moment of class in a game that was pretty tough actually to watch, and it was a decent team move as well. Um, I think that was the one, wasn't it? Where was it? Where Ted Bishop laid it out yeah. across the box, and he. He touched it out from the penalty spot. It was just a nice move overall. It was easy on the eye. And if you're going to score a, like a, a thunderbolt or you're going to score one from range or do whatever, I kind of like to see a bit of build-up in it as well. Um, and actually, there was there was another one of Fiorini's that I really liked that was that he kind of made. It might have been Rotherham. Really nice team move at home against Rotherham. And it wasn't the best goal of the season, I'll be honest. So I don't know why I'm talking about it. But it was <laughs> it was one of those team goals. We haven't scored a lot of those like, this season. Uh, and I, mm. I, I really liked that one as well. But no, for me, Fiorini at Wimbledon. And because of the magnitude of the game as well. Yeah. No, I think uh, for me, there was that little bit of a choice there for Fiorini away at Wimbledon. But um, I think the ones that came to my mind were um, Scully's goal against Charlton away. Um, to to win the game, um, does what Anthony Scully does, goes down the left, cuts inside, hits it. But the thing that uh, it made made it stick in my mind was I think when we spoke about it on the podcast and Gaz said, "Oh, the the xG of that was naught point naught one or whatever it was." You know, the, the, he could hit that ninety nine times out of a hundred and not score that goal. But the fact that it it pinged in off the bar. Really, really great, you know, great goal. Loved, loved watching that. Um, and the other one um, was Ted Bishop's first one away at Cheltenham. Um, I think that took the official goal of the season at the Players Awards. Um, Lovely but, technique. Yeah, it, it it almost looks like he sliced it when you watch it back, but when you you know when you play it and you just think, oh, he's hit that really sweetly, and it just uh, flew in. Great goal, and that kind of set up the recovery. So. They're my two choices. Um, and the one that none of us have said, uh, and I think I think Ben's avoided it for fear of ridicule, 
Um, and I've avoided it because I don't like the guy. Uh, I don't like. I don't think he's had a good season, and I, I, I don't like him arguing with fans. But Maguire at Sunderland was a great yeah. hit. Yeah, first goal was fantastic. It was a, it was a great hit, and I, I don't know. I don't buy into the Lee Johnson shithousing and all of that. But you know, where was that? Forty five other games of the season, I didn't see him yeah. hit a ball. I didn't see a hit yeah. a ball like that in any other game, and that's what's really frustrating. If yeah. Mags had got six goals to his name, like Fiorini. I, I think people would have been tempted to have gone, actually, that Sunderland goal is one of the goals of the season because it's a phenomenal hit from a tight angle. But the yeah. fact that he's only turned up to do it on one game, I think that's what annoys people. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of reminded me of like the Reedy goal against Coventry, the way that you hit that, just kind of the, the rise in the ball as it hit the back of the net. Beautiful strike. But interestingly about Maguire, do you know what, actually, he's had about 10 goal involvements this season. He's got five okay. or six assists. There's a couple of penalties in there, and obviously there's the hat, the hat trick against um, Sunderland. One of them was a penalty. There's the a cup goal against Carlisle, I think. Um, don't think he scored another one in open play in the league. So it was a penalty against MK Dons, wasn't it as well? But yeah, I think 10, 10 11 goal involvements. Not probably as shit as people think, but because of his, I think because of his attitude towards other fans. Mm. towards fans I think people have kind of gone off Maguire a little bit interesting to see what happens to him this summer but we digress indeed um, so with all of the doom and gloom and here comes guys going, oh what doom and gloom you're paying attention to the wrong people yeah. with everything that's gone on um, we need a reason to be cheerful um, <laughs> the podcast is well. <laughs> <laughs> well I'm not here next week so you two can take the piss all you want so um, me and Jake might have to do the uh, we might have to do the new manager podcast. Indeed, um, but yeah, reason to be cheerful for me is the fact that we've still got Clive Nates at the helm. I think Clive is as honest and as open as a person you could possibly hope to meet. I think we've had conversations with him. We've I've listened to conversations with him on the radio. He will give the information that people need he won't turn around and bullshit people he won't give like a, a nondescript answer if he doesn't need to or if sorry he just won't give a nondescript answer if he if he can't answer something he'll give you the reason that he can't answer it and i think he is so detail focused that i think you know i've well we said it earlier we're kind of putting our faith in him to get the next man right and i don't think there's gonna to be too many arguments with whoever he brings in um i think he's pushing the club in the right direction so that's mine um you know i'm sure there'll be somebody calling me a sycophant but let's go to jake um yeah you've got some brown on your nose but i don't know what it is um, get fucked <laughs> uh I, I think i think mine is the the fact the academy looks to have come on quite a, a, a while uh, on this season i think you know the emergence of, of freddie draper oshin gallagher has been on the bench an awful lot um obviously we're talking about joe von Macoma as well um a lot of youth players have signed new deals this year sam long sean rowan so um i think that if we want to you know, have these young players and, and give them experience and then sell them for high fees, you know, you know, it cost, doesn't cost so much when we're bringing them through our own academy. So um, for me, it's, you know, the, the the excellent sort of showcase of academy talent we've seen. And I stayed to watch the Bradford game after the, the crew game and really good game of football. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I think the, in, the uh, growing influence of the academy lads has, has uh, probably given me something to, to look forward to. 
Cool. And Gaz, to, to give us the final reason to be cheerful. For me, it's legal football um, yep. next season. I think you look at teams like Crew, who have now come up and gone down in the time that we've been here. You look at Doncaster and Gillingham, long-established League One clubs who have tried, failed and been relegated. Um, and I, I think the fact that we did manage to survive in what was at times a fairly horrible season. And, and it doesn't feel like that. Do you know what? Talking here, when we're talking about our highlights of the season, actually, I hope fans realise, wow, there were a lot. Do you know what I mean? Because we, we, we all picked two, three games and they were different games. So actually there were plenty of highlights. And, and had some of those away games actually been at home and a majority mm. of fans who do only go to home games, and there are those people um, who, who don't go away at all, had majority of those people seen us play as we did at Wigan, as we did at Cambridge, as we did at Sunderland, at Sinsel Bank, I think we'd have a completely different view of the season. I really do. Mm. We would have gone, oh, you have to sort our away form out against big clubs. So... But I think the fact that we start next year in the same division as one of Sunderland or Sheffield Wednesday, as Portsmouth, as Charlton, as Ipswich, do you know what I mean? As as, as Bolton, who are a big club, just because they, they they were in League Two, they're a big club. Let's not forget that. Um, Derby. I, mean, I remember when we played Bolton in the FA Cup. You know, we yeah, took, yeah, 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 ninety three. That was you know, must have been four. No, no, ninety three. Uh, no, we no. we played them recently. Oh, oh you're talking about two thousand eight. Yeah, two thousand ten. Right. I'm talking about when we were on Sky Sports. In two thousand in nineteen ninety three against uh, yeah all right Jake nineteen ninety three it was when we used to spell limbs with a B. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, <laughs> the B's at the end, Jake, before the S, not yeah, the start. It's not, it's not limbs or limbs with a B right at the end, like a silent B. Uh, but no, look, this is a tough, tough league, and mm. I think next season, even if we do go back to. Yeah, we reassess where we are and we look at it and go, actually, we're not as big as all of those clubs. But you still look at it and you go, right, well, Forest Green are coming up. We'll compete with them. We'll compete with Exeter. We'll compete with who comes out of the playoffs. We'll compete with Cheltenham and Morecambe and Cambridge and Burton. Right. So there's seven, eight teams that even if we don't have the best summer, we are fully capable of competing with those teams. We are fully at Fleetwood. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't want to say that in case Jake tells his mate. But do you know what I mean? These are these are all teams that we're more than capable of going, we can beat those. And that's not arrogance on my part. But I, 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 There was something on Twitter a minute ago while you were talking and I was flicking through my phone and it was average attendances in this division. And do you know what? We're, we're right up there. And yeah, you don't, Jake's quite right. He said it elsewhere. You don't get points for big attendances, but you do get, players you do get people come into the ground when you're trying to sell it and they can see the ten thousand. you could you get um you, you get more money coming in through the gates do you know what i mean you get better atmosphere when you're winning it's much better as well so retaining our league one status was vital and that's a massive massive reason to be cheerful and there we go so is there anything else that we want to discuss before we disappear no, I just think with it being the last one of the season and whether we'll do one next week, if there's a new manager, I think if there isn't a new manager, it might be worth skipping unless there's any news. So I'd say thank you to everybody for listening through the course of the year. Um, it's been a, a turbulent year at times and engagement with content isn't always um, a positive thing. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's been enjoyable. Enjoy doing the podcast. Nice to have Jake on as a semi kind of almost permanent fixture now as well. Um, so the podcast is growing. We intend to do the same next year. So just thank you to everybody for, for taking the time to listen. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully Bye. next season we'll have, uh, we'll have even more to celebrate. Um, anything you want to 
pick up on Jake before we disappear? Um, sort of just align the messages that you guys have said. Um, thank you for everybody coming over to the YouTube channel and, and giving the YouTube channel some support. Um, the previews have, have been good this year. They've got more consistent as the season's gone on. Um, I'm sure we'll have a chat sort of uh, privately about the, the content that, that's going to come to the YouTube channel, but it's going to hopefully diversify a little bit over the off-season into next season. So, um, no, just thank you for, for um, watching, subscribing, commenting. Um, so I've had some lovely messages. So, no, just just thank you. And hopefully we can uh, grow it out a bit more next season as well. You're not going to start doing porn, are you? You said diversification, which, by the way, is spelled with a D. I don't know at the beginning. Um <laughs> So yeah, we've got you've got the uh, the YouTube channel, we've got the blog, we've got the podcast, and presumably we will have uh, Stacey West OnlyFans coming soon. <laughs> Whatever that is, I don't know. But no, right. right. Um, we are also looking at uh, getting some guests on in the close season. Um, we've we've spoken to a couple already, and I think there's a couple of people that are up for it. So uh, yeah, be me, Gaz potentially jake and a and other talking football but until then um if we've got news next week it'll be jake and gaz uh if not then i'll be back in two weeks right <laughs> up the imps up the imps <laughs> i was wrapping it up as you were giving it that signal you wanker <laughs> the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow you've got your McNugget share boxes on the go your mates already got booked for double dipping but then you steal the last nugget snatching all three points perfect order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app you in at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com and there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.